welcome to Maximal Fire. I'm Alex. And I'm Johnny. And today we are going to be doing a Legio deep dive again, but this time on Legio Tritonis. I wonder who collects Legio Tritonis, Johnny? Who, you know, who, who knows, right? Who... The battle report isn't out yet, so <laughs> so everyone else probably doesn't know. But I, I collect uh, Legio Tritonis. Yes, you do. That's been your little pet project um, mm-hmm. over the last month or so. And obviously trying to keep Johnny happy. You know, got to feed him a bone every now and again. We had Legio Volpo last time. We're doing Legio Tritonis this time. Uh, but both both of those, obviously, two two really popular, really good Legios, which we hadn't covered before, so it makes, makes mm. sense us looking at them. It's been a while, That's though, right. hasn't it? Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. It has been too long, yeah. I think. I speak for both of us when we... I say that life has been... Busy. Yeah, yeah, it has. And... Um, and obviously we have to sort of coincide these times when we're both available to, and for a sizable amount of time to record these things. Um, mm. And last time that we we did try and record this sort of mid-November, um, but we had the mother of all tech issues and it just wasn't working for us. And in the end, um, we had to just sack it off um, and and try and reschedule and and, and it, it sort of worked in our favor because in the middle of that we we got to record another bat rep um so there'll be a battle report coming if it's it probably this will probably be out before the next battle report oh yeah um but yeah um so that is why it has been a while i think the last time we recorded uh, a bat rep i believe uh, sorry a, a podcast i think was the end of september Damn. Which is is criminal, really. But yeah. if you have been checking out our YouTube, um, and obviously, and actually, we did do it as a podcast as well. We have been putting supplemental content out uh, in the interim, and I think that that might be a format that we start doing uh, when new stuff comes out. So there was a video that I did on the matched play guide, um, which was released, I think, on the day of release. Or the day yeah. after release? Day after, yeah, something like that. Um, which was awesome uh, to do. It meant that... Thank you, uh, Games Workshop, for uh, not sending <laughs> us that as well. Wait, look, look. Just ticking it off the list. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say, right, you know, we didn't get sent one, and I still got a very detailed review out within a few days of the, uh, uh, the content going live, right? So... Imagine yeah. what we could do with a bit of a heads up. That would be yeah. that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? But we're not bitter. We're not bitter. We're not upset. No, not at all. No. Um, we will always try and get this stuff as soon as we can and put our thoughts out there. But we thought it was it was better that way because then you don't have to kind of listen through a big um, podcast if you just want to hear about the new stuff. Um, and it also meant not that I obviously didn't want to invite you to that uh, particular piece of <laughs> videography uh, johnny but of again schedules and it's sometimes easier to just get just on get and, it done. And, and record one yeah i think you know like you said it's it's nice to have a, a format that isn't just us chatting nonsense for the you know for, for a couple of hours or so so yeah you know definitely um definitely something we kind of want to push just like a lot of shorter form videos then just have you know the hopefully monthly longer video of us just talking absolute rubbish for yeah you know, as long as you uh, keep us keep us playing basically and, and and anchor which is the the podcast um system that's tied into spotify that we use it does now allow for video podcasts as well so mm. when we 
record these for YouTube, the same video podcast also goes onto Anchor, which automatically converts it into a a regular podcast so it's it kind of works for the best of both ways but you may see some of these kind of bite i say bite size i think it was still 40 minutes um that particular one uh, but we'll look to probably split those out from the general ramblings um going forward and but and it will only happen obviously if there's new stuff coming out so i mean i don't think we're over committing there considering we had two major <laughs> releases last year <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say when new stuff does come out, you know, obviously. Yeah, it would be, it would be nice. It would be mm. nice to have new stuff, but um, yeah, no, um, but but yes, um, we will obviously try and do those a little bit more. So hopefully that's kind of filled the void a little bit between the two podcasts since the last one. Again, apologies, it's taken us so long to kind of get this one out. We do try and do them monthly, but sometimes, especially kind of when it comes up towards um, the end of the uh, the year um it does get a little bit uh a little bit tricky um yes so anyway um that's a little bit of a brief plug for all the other stuff that we're doing at the moment and if you are a youtuber uh well a youtube consumer uh do go onto youtube and give us a, an old like and subscribe we are very very close actually to the magic wand i say close we're we're within stretching distance of the the magic yeah. 1000 subscribers um and it, it if if you don't know how it how it particularly works um when you hit 1000 and you hit a certain amount of watched hours of your video content then youtube will actually start paying you a little bit of money for your trouble and we obviously it's not the primary reason that we we do this but if we can get the corporations <laughs> to start paying us a handful of of pounds uh for, for doing these things that would be lovely um so i think the last time i looked we were about 740 yeah so really close pushing yeah, into that we... second that second half well not second half fourth quarter of the uh, mm-hmm. where we need to be we don't we don't see a penny of the money that we normally get anyway from patreons because it just goes to basically improving all of the uh, all of the stuff <laughs> we release i thought you were um, going to say actually. i, I... I don't get it to see any of the money (laughs) from the Patreon because Alex spends it all on terrain. Uh, Um, Yeah, but it does go towards paying for stuff like terrain. Um, We don't want to be just using the same setup every time in our battle reports. And, you know, it helps us get a bit more tech as well to record better content. Um, Yeah. yeah, And and that's that's where it's pretty much all gone um, recently. Mm. Sort of our, our... um, I was going to touch on this later on, but our, our tournaments are getting bigger. Uh, we like to be self-sufficient um, as much as we can. We we do have a lot of people who contribute tables to our tournaments, um, but as part of that, we reinvest a lot of the money that we get in, which doesn't go on like tech and like um, subscribing for the um, applications that we use uh, for video editing and photo editing and all that kind of stuff. Um, it does go back in to being able to do tournament boards essentially as well as like you say i think we've managed a unique board i think on every bat rep that we've done and we've still got stuff up our sleeve um yeah. from before so we like to bring a bit of variety uh, which is good mm. um so yeah do do give us a like and subscribe on facebook um and if you want to be part of the community we do have our discord server as well 
Um, doing really well. I think we're pushing again 500 people on that. It's always active. Lots always of always active. There's been a real. I don't know what's happened recently. I think it might be the Clash of the Titans thing, to be honest. Um, that's going on at the moment. The Battle Blinger running. Um, but there's been a big surge of new people joining that, which is is lovely to see. And not only people joining it, but new people contributing as well. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's um. I mean, we always talk, you know, glowing reviews about about everyone on our Discord. It basically just self moderates at this point because people are just so nice and chill on there. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think the moderators have got a very very easy job. Um, which yeah. is why I don't suffer them complaining about anything. Um, mm-hmm. And and normally when there's complaints to be made, it's it's usually about me uh, rather than oh, the, yeah. <laughs> rather than about the people on the server. Um, I've considered banning you a few times as yeah, well. But, maybe maybe, know, we... maybe I need to remove your admin privileges so that I can rule <laughs> with an iron fist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> change change my title to Overlord or something. <laughs> um, yes. So do, do yeah. Check out the um, uh, the Discord as well. Uh, we're holding, as part of Clash, regular um, hobby hangouts uh, on, on the Discord as well, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we get guys from across the community joining that. Battlebling guys are on there all the time as well. It's a good opportunity to ask questions, um, get tips. Uh, and generally, it's one of the best ways that you can spend your time painting trim because you can get over that monotonous part of whatever it is you're painting. In my case, trim. It might not be your your thing that you hate the most. Um, but you can shut off that kind of brain and just chat and listen and and not get um, too focused and just allow the painting to happen over the course of the night. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, 100%. Um, so sponsor updates, usual guys, Battle Bling and Grimdark, um, both doing some pretty exciting stuff. The big one for Battle Bling is obviously Clash of the Titans. Um, oh, yeah. This is the the third one uh, that they've done, um, the second public one. So if, if you don't know what Clash of the Titans is, basically it started as um, basically a reason for myself um, and Johnny and a bunch of other guys across the community to essentially do a tale of four gamers type thing. Mm. Well, it started as a tale of four gamers, we were going to create like a maniple. It was myself, um, my old co-host Ben, um, and a couple of guys from our local community, and it grew out grew out steadily and incorporated a couple of other Instagrammers uh, from the local area who we didn't know beforehand. Johnny being one, our friend Oliver Hi. being another, our friend Dan being another one of those, and if I've forgotten anybody else, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, it, it was there was I think it was eight of us. Uh, we all decided to start a new Legio and and that's what we were going to do and we were holding ourselves to like monthly um, challenges and then um, as we kind of got more um, established I think because that happened right at the start of when Maximal Fire was created Battle Bling decided that um, or not decided discussed with us the the idea of making it a sort of global thing and that they would provide some kind of unique perks and things that they can sell to the community to kind of um, give them like oh bo- bonus gear i guess um that was available and there was an opportunity for, for people to win prizes as well and every week the battle bling guys would um choose a winner from the people using the um the hashtag at clash of the titans um hashtag and whoever won would win some bling and it was very very popular 
and uh, it was a little bit later this time around because uh, we did this originally last summer but we've they've just started a game with Clash of the Titans 2022 which runs from now it's been running all of um or for half halfway through November and it runs through to February basically I think it coincides quite nicely with the beachhead tournament um that we've got it's kind of like around the end date so um they've stepped it up a notch as well um and they they are selling these clash packs um and there's two flavors of clash pack you've got the traitor clash pack and you've got the loyalist clash pack and within each of them there is a set of is it four four um unique objectives i've got them on the table behind me um you probably can't see them very well but they're really really cool 3d printed resin um objective markers all to 32 millimeter uh, which is the standard now which has been there since open engine war but it was like reaffirmed as part of um uh the match play guides so you get the mm-hmm. resin um objective mo- uh, markers they also threw in there a uh, a resin scenic item it's a it's a little if you're old enough to remember the fire base the cardboard firebase from the late 90s, early noughties, 40K. That's what that's based on. Uh, it's a little bit of nostalgia. Um, you've got a hobby bingo card, whoop, whoop, which is purely uh, for the lols. Um, there's no, you don't win anything. <laughs> no prize. But um, <laughs> there's loads of things on there, um, like, you know, watch one of our videos, subscribe to one of our videos, um, join one of our Discord hangouts, and other things not sponsored by um, Maximal Fire, um, but you needn't worry about those. Focus on the um, Maximal Fire stuff. Um, and what Even else? Even if you just tick off all of the Maximal Fire ones, it it gives you a sense of enormous pride mm-hmm. in yourself yeah. for what you have achieved. Um, and Johnny also asked me to write a micro campaign. Um, so there is a little micro campaign in there. Uh, he gave me three days to write it. Thanks, Johnny. Um, and yeah, they've, we've we've done it in like the style of a sort of fighting fantasy novel. So if you you play the first game, if you win, you go to entry number three three three. If you lose, you go to entry number four 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 or something. Uh, it's just a little bit of fun. Um, but yeah, basically just encouraging people to play games, uh, to do hobby, and and generally hang out. So hashtag at Clash of the Titans twenty twenty two is the current. Um, hashtag if you bought a clash pack then you are eligible to win prizes um on a weekly basis same as before um and i believe there is a i think i think the, i want to say don't quote me on this i want to say that they're basically kitting out people's entire maniples of titans uh, with their um nameplates as prizes so a uh, good way to get your nameplates um for free contribute put some stuff online um hopefully you'll get their eye and you'll you'll win something oh yeah um so yeah um have you been doing anything for um clash oh well um so <laughs> uh as you uh may have realized um i have recently made a tritonus uh legio and basically the day i i finished painting and building it ready for some practice games and the uh the battle report um clash was announced so um in spirit of not having too much 
plastic and kind of given up on the idea of doing too much trim, um, I have gone to build a board instead as my clash entry, um, which will obviously be uh, be used in our tournament at Beachhead. You were just a bit keen, year. that was it, wasn't it? You just wanted to get a head start. I was start. just way too excited. And, um, you know, it was really annoying, actually. But, uh, you know, time time, time constraints, you know, what they were. Um, I had a good amount of time off in, you know, before that to, to get it all painted. So, so yeah, so I'm going to do a, a snowy board. Um, kind of a, a lot of AT boards are either industrial or have, like, a lot of man-made structures. And I want to do a um, kind of just, like, a mountainous uh almost wilderness or natural maybe yeah maybe like um himalayas like siege of terror vibes going on with it so um i'm gonna get some like uh aquarium decorations as well there are some like uh buddhist kind of statues that overgrown but would like kind of suit the vibe once you add a bit of snow flock to them and stuff like that so yeah it's gonna be pretty cool i haven't quite figured out how i'm gonna do the spread of uh of scenery and get all those rocks um but yeah It'll be a lovely contrast as well, because like you say, all of our boards mm. at the moment are either sort of grey city boards um, mm. or kind of Marsy boards are quite common, and we've got, we've got a desert board, so a nice bright white snowboard it'll be. Yeah, I think it'll look really interesting on the bat reps. Yeah, definitely. That's it. I mean, we used, we used the mat already for the one that's coming up, spoiler alert, uh, but the, none of the scenery um, of it as well. So, uh, yeah, it should be, uh, should be pretty cool. What about yourself? What are you... Uh contributing to this catch well i i'm using this to finally sort out my war breaker so if you're watching on youtube you can see the current progress behind me um i've pledged that by the end of the year i'll have that finished and then for january and february i will either be finishing my much neglected um legio tempestus which are currently relegated to the bottom of my display cabinet um, rather than actually having anywhere of, of pride because there's only two of them. Um, but it may come down to terrain building and terrain painting um, just as we come into the run-up to, to Beachhead. Um, we'll have to see, I think. But uh, the Warbreak has been uh, amazing, but a, a real challenge. Um, that, that Obviously, like it's the size of a Warhound Titan from 40k, and um but it's got the detail of everything that you would expect from an at model like the cathedral alone which sits on the top i, I painted the cathedral th- first and that probably took me between 30 and 40 hours to complete that um, i am a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to trim and there was so much trim you uh you're an actually oh you're a monster <laughs> so, when so when you trim. do trim how many how many layers of paint? Seven? Uh, seven, I think it is. Yeah. The trim. Um, okay. Yeah. Um but then we create our own hells. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I certainly <laughs> do. My my way of dealing with that is whenever and whenever anybody asks how do you paint trim, I provide them the video that I did uh for Battle Bling, where I show it was like my way of painting nameplates, and I was like, Well, this is how I paint nameplates, this is how I also paint trim. You should do it like this. And um, and ever and it's like one more person who is now gonna share my pain with me. Um, but yeah, since getting the cathedral done, um, it's it's coming along so much faster. Um, the the armor plates, um, obviously much bigger areas, so they were a bit quicker to to do the trim for. Um, I've done all of the shoulders, um, all of the upper body. I've just got the legs to do the head. 
and then the two gun arms to finish off so fantastic model like i can't wait to get it finished um it's one of those projects i don't know if you kind of get the same sometimes but i i painted it i put it up on my shelf because it's exactly five millimeters too tall to fit in my display cabinet no. <laughs> so it has to go on top of the display cabinet i think i might have to put like a protective sheath over the top of it to stop it getting covered in dust um but it's one of those ones that you know when you're you're quite proud of what you've done and you have to keep like nipping into the room to just sit back and look at what you've done mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's uh that's you, been me the last week you absolutely hate painting it yeah but when you put it down afterwards you're like all right okay yeah, and that's it, it. Was, yeah it, it, it's it's one of those things where i know that i've tortured myself on how long it's taken me to paint but i'm 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 happy with where it's going um and so i i will be continuing that i'm hoping to have all of the leg panels done by the end of next week um and that well ultimately it comes down to how long it takes me to edit this video um as to whether or not um, i get that done by next week or not um and then the the gun arms as well and that's just the base um and i've gone for a 200 millimeter oval base for these um which are fairly difficult to get hold of um but uh tarot model maker does some so i'm using his bases uh, for that and it does look the business i know when we were designing it with uh with chris we were the only ones we could really find were circular ones and i think i'm not sure if chris's is on a circular one or if he moved it over to a, an oval but i i do i do much prefer the oval mechanics in an at compared to a circular one because you get the potential for collision Str- scale 15 collision hits anyone yes please no yeah um but yes that's that's my pledge and then hopefully i will get it done obviously we can't win anything that's the only uh, downside <laughs> yeah. i've been sent all the stuff but I, I can't actually win anything sadly but um that's not the point the point is um is is having that support network around you is having um, other people doing the same things as you keep yourself motivated we do the hobby hangouts related to this so we can again opportunities to get together um i'm hoping we'll get time to do another one before christmas but it'll ultimately it'll come down to schedules it's christmas party season and all that kind of stuff so there's lots mm. lots going on lots of family time as well which uh, is obviously important um, yeah, definitely. i think i think clash is good as well um it, you know everyone paints the quickest and best a few days before a tournament right so it's it kind of gives you those goals to kind of yeah you know you you haven't got infinite amount of time to do it you've got to do something by this this time which uh yeah and i think if, if you are kind of like thinking about getting into it or if you have i've got it and you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed that is the way to do it you set yourself a monthly challenge you don't think well in the next three months i'm going to paint this mana pool you're going to say right well okay well this month i'm going to paint this and i'm going to chuck in a stretch goal for myself so if i get that done and well in advance i'm going to try and finish this thing as well and then Hmm. you do that every single month so for me it was this by the end of the year and then in january it was going to be a warlord titan for tritonus and then in february it was going to be um a corrupted reaver and another warhound just to kind of give myself something to really push for and try and tick off as much as I can, um, as quickly as I can. Uh, but also, again, like, not necessarily doing it quicker, but, like, focused, focused activity, that's um, intense periods of uh, of effort. That's how I work, anyway. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, diamonds are formed under pressure, right? Absolutely. Well, you, know, you don't want to put yourself <laughs> under too much pressure, but uh, yeah, no, no. But you know, you still got to be enjoyable. But um, but yeah, it's it's nice to have a goal, and it's a lot yeah. easier when you've got people doing the same thing and there to support you and feedback on the awesome work that you're doing. Oh yeah. Should we talk grim dark? Go for it. Um, yeah, so it's been a couple of months again since we talked about the grimdark stuff. Um, my 3D printer has sadly been out of action. I pierced the FEP on mine, standard, and uh, I've, I've got some damp issues in my garage, which means that my, I've not been able to do any 3D printing, which is absolutely torturous because some of the stuff which has been released in the last couple of months uh, by Bronco has been incredible. Um, he's... The biggest ones to talk about really are his Ordinatus kits. So he's released two now. There was one in um, October and another one in November. And these they're, they're just massive. They're, he's taken the old um, style of Ordinatus from Epic, but they were, I think back then, they were kind of like massively out of scale because Epic was sort of like a it's whatever it needs to be scale rather than yeah. it being actually sort of held to anything. And um, yeah, so he's released, I, I, I forget the name of the actual specific types and diehard fans of Epic are going to probably shout at me right now. But um, <laughs> there's one, uh, one Ordinatus kit, which has got um, some massive like um, fortress cracking rocket launchers on the back of them. And there's another one which has got a, a sonic cannon and it's it's again fantastic stuff coming out of 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 grim dark it kind of has got it got me as excited as the samson did and i was a massive fan of the samson back in the day it's it's the next kit which is uh really kind of got my juices flowing so to speak uh for 3d printing and i can't do anything i can't print anything it's so frustrating because like, the, the, the web printing is a love hate relationship, isn't it? It's just yeah, absolutely uh, torturous. It really but... is. Um, but yeah, he's he's done that, and he's also um, added some additional kind of building um, additions for um, I think it's the Argus range. So you can take some of the things on the the Argus like airfield based stuff that he was doing, and now there's additional options for emplacements, uh, which you can put the sonic um, cannon launcher thing on on top of like a static emplacement as well which looks really really nice um so yeah if you haven't heard of of grimdark um they are like one of the best uh providers of 3d printed terrain for uh, adeptus titanicus um the quality is amazing designed for 3d printing uh in resin um but i've recently had my eyes opened to the world of fdm printing and i've had a lot of people tell me that um his stuff prints really well on fdm as well so um I, I i did a another review on the channel for um wargame forge who did some uh fdm designed uh ruined buildings and i was very impressed with that as well the the sort of quality you can get out of fdm so i'm i'm now on the lookout for an fdm printer so i i think i don't think i would paint like the ordinatus with uh, print the ordinatus with um with fdm but the idea of being able to print the like a building structure in one go, yeah, rather than individual pieces, um, that definitely appeals. Um, which it, people are telling me is kind of like one of the ways forward, um, with, uh, with with printing his stuff. 
because it can get expensive, of course, the amount of resin um, that, you know, and, and resin's nasty, smelly stuff. Um, oh, God, it's horrible. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it does look amazing. But then, you know, but on the flip side, people say that 3D printing with FDM is high, high maintenance, but it may be high maintenance, but at least I can have that inside. Whereas yeah. the resin has to live outside in the cold and then the supports fail and, and I get problems and pierce my feps. Um, but that's probably just because I'm crap at 3D printing and I should take care of my printer better. Who knows? Oh, yeah. No, I walked in the uh, in the room that I have the uh, the 3D printer in and it, I was like, oh, maybe I'll do some 3D printing today. And it was pretty sure it's colder than it is outside, which is minus four at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I was like, nope gotta wait for it to warm up or it's it's just not gonna print yeah it means that i'm gonna be buying a lot of terrain i think um for yeah. um for next year uh for beachhead i think in the short term because i can't usually start printing again until around about march when it it warms up again unfortunately mm. um but yeah do check out grimdark amazing stuff as always um he's i don't know if it's still on he was having a black friday sale um these things do pop up throughout the year. I think he does a summer one often as well. So if you're missing STL packs, then you can get one at a significant discount then. Um, but yeah, check out Grimdark. Um, and yeah, get yourself some, get yourself a 3D printer. It's It really is made for Titanicus. Mm. Okay. Um, so again, it's been a long time since our last update. So very quickly, we owe a few patron shout outs. Um, we give this as part of everybody who subscribes to our patreon uh, we have three tiers one pound three pound and five pound three pound level you get yourself 10 percent discount code off of battle bling so if you are a um, purchaser of battle bling it's a great way of getting um a little bit of a cheeky discount off of the stuff that they're doing and we've recently introduced as well a new perk for um the five pounds here because previously the five pound was a uh, we love you loads. Uh, it's the same of as the three pound tier, but if you want to show us some extra love, then you get you can, you can give us five pounds instead. Uh, and I was, I, I I wanted to give the guys a little bit more because they, all they got really for for their money was a um, credits in in our videos and um, in our show notes and descriptions. So the guys at Battle Bling are working on some STLs which will be exclusive to ourselves and to our patreon um and we when i was discussing this with john from battle bling we were talking we were thinking well there's a massive part of the game which kind of gets quite underutilized and that is that when titans go kaboom and like properly you know, magda or um uh meltdown like they're supposed to leave a crater and that is supposed to be um is it dangerous terrain i think it is um mm -hmm. difficult and dangerous terrain and it's not an optional rule. It's technically in the main rules. and But it's something which often doesn't get kind of thought about, doesn't get utilised. And the reason is, is, is you've got to think about actually buying terrain to take with your Legio and bring with you. So the guys at Battlebling have been working on a series of um, STLs for um, basically destroyed Titans. And we've got the first of those up now. And if you are a backer of our Patreon at the £5 level, there is a post which is locked to those people um, on the Patreon. And there is an attachment which uh, within it is an STL for you to download and for you to keep. Um, 
we will be adding more of those uh, when the guys finish designing them. But obviously, they have to design these around their uh, their day jobs um, as well. But there you go. So we wanted to add a little bit more. Um, obviously, you could back us at five quid, get the free STL, and then hopefully downgrade to something else, the three pound maybe, and still keep your um, your discount code, or or just take what you need and then leg it. <laughs> however <laughs> <laughs> you want to do it um the pirates like uh, yeah <laughs> um but i decided as well that because we were offering this um and also now that we're doing a few more youtube videos we are now adding all of our patrons to um our video credits so it doesn't matter if you are a one pound backer a three pound backer a five pound backer your name will be in the credits of our videos um obviously the the five pound back backers get it a little bit bigger a little bit fancier um <laughs> but we wanted to be able to show our thanks because we've been going now for the best part of i think the patreon's been going for the best part of 18 months now we've we've had some people who've been backing us all the way which is is really incredible mm. um you know and, and really humbling and and like i said like we don't really we don't really benefit from what it is we try and sink that those funds back into the shows that we're doing um it obviously does help us kind of buy the products that we need to review so if something new comes out for instance um we can buy that titan um so we can make sure that we've got it straight away we keep that pool of money available so that we've got that content um available to us as soon as possible um and i don't have to have arguments with the wife about why am i spending <laughs> you know the child's dinner money on uh on titans um yeah which does help um but yeah we won't run into that problem when games workshop starts sending us a new no. release which is inevitable right it's inevitable it's gonna happen. keep banging on that drum until they listen <laughs> it's gonna happen yeah um don't, i mean don't they know who we are i mean oh, kind everyone of, knows who we are darling kind of a big deal you know like, at least in bournemouth massive in bournemouth <laughs> Maybe um, in like certain sections of Bournemouth. Yeah, <laughs> enough said about that. Um, but yeah, um, if, if you do want to show some love, you do enjoy uh, watching our videos, you do enjoy listening to our podcasts, watching our battle reports, um, please do consider um, jumping on the Patreon money and and sending us, you know, a little bit to say um, to just keep us keep us going, essentially. Um, we didn't really have any events that I wanted to talk about. Uh, however, uh, mostly because like I was going to wait until the new year. Like we've been talking in the in the in the shows in the past. Uh, we've talked about a couple of um, the events coming up. There's more in the works, um, but it does often become quite a lengthy section as well. So I wanted to keep this quite sort of succinct uh, today. Um, we obviously have Beachheads, um, which is fast approaching. Bournemouth International Centre, 11th and 12th of February, uh, which is our first ever team tournament. Now, if you are listening to this and you are attending um, the Beachhead event, um, we will be changing our event pack. Um, changes to that are kind of in the works at the moment. There is nothing, there's not going to be anything substantially different to what you've already signed up for. The format is still the same. Um, the restrictions are still the same. Uh, however, we wanted to bring it in line with the matched play guide, uh, which was released in October. So all we've done is we've tweaked a few things uh, in the rules pack. We've brought it in line with so if, if something is outright said in the um, in the rules pack, 
in the tournament guide, then we're aligning ourselves to that. We're aligning our scoring to that. So do ch um, keep an eye out uh, for those changes. I'll be putting up a post on Facebook uh, and also I'll be um, sticking it up on our Discord when that is available. Um, I'll also be reaching out to anybody who is participating, um, asking them to provide me with their um, contact with the contact details of any of the of their teams, because uh, we only have the principal ticket bookers contact details at this particular point in time. But if you are listening to this and you want to do that kind of proactively, please send me the details, the email addresses and names of your uh, of your team, just so I can start taking a bit of a head count and sort of looking where we are, because um, we need to kind of obviously factor in numbers of tables. Uh, which leads me on to an interesting uh, development. Um, I received the said list of um, people who'd booked tickets um, earlier on, uh, this week, and I noticed that um, there was a couple of tickets missing, uh, which I knew, which ironically were for the Battle Bling Boys, <laughs> which wouldn't have gone Sabotage. down. Yeah. <laughs> um, now that's not to it's not to worry anybody. Um, I went back out to the um, to Entoyment. They confirmed basically that they had not sent me um, the details of the tickets that they'd bought. It turns out that they'd oversold the uh, the amount of tickets that we've got so we thought we were selling 12 tickets uh we've actually sold 15 uh which means um we are putting up one additional ticket um on the website to take us up to 16 tickets because we need an even number of teams mm -hmm. and kind of both frighteningly and at the same time quite excitingly excitingly um, this means that Beachhead has just gone from a what were the numbers thirty a thirty something player <laughs> tournament, yeah. which was the biggest one that we've ever done, um, to a forty eight player Adeptus Titanicus tournament, um, which is scaring the bejesus out of me a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. It means that I need to find six tables worth of terrain. Um, I need to produce that out of my ass somehow in the next three months. Probably not literally, but <laughs> um, but no, it's it's a it's a really good problem to have because um, you know we we obviously we we can do that and and tournaments are going to also you know they 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 can support that. Um, it means it's going to be the biggest tournament that we've ever run, and I don't know the exact numbers. Uh, that were involved um, back in 2019, but I believe it is officially either pretty much on par with the biggest, if not the biggest Adeptus Titanicus specific tournament in the UK so far. Yeah. So, woo, go well us. Done. Well done. Yeah. So that's going to be amazing. <laughs> like, um... <Admin> error, but. <laughs> Well, actually we'll take it it's it's a good problem to have right i mean like yeah. we, we've never we've never sold out of our events before not only have we sold out but we've we've sold more um mm -hmm. than we thought um which will it will mean that we'll go, we're gonna have 16 teams so there's gonna be some proper good banter at that event mm. and that, that, was, that was a bit of concern because obviously it's like a team format so that's not something that people are used to really in, in wargaming that much so I think there was a bit of a concern of actually, you know, are people going to be interested in something like that? But um, turns out, well, yeah, you guys love it. Yeah, I mean, we've <laughs> we've taken some liberties with the um, 
the match play guide because it's not the same. Like there's a doubles format in the match play guide, but there's no team rules in there. So mm. we've we've kind of decided to go. Um, we we like doing things which other people haven't tried before, or it's not been tried very often. So that's why we thought uh, a team format would be good. Teams of three. Um, we've we we're basically using the match play guides um secondaries primaries but what we've done is we've split each of those missions and each of those sorry each of those primaries each of those secondaries between three team roles um and those roles are attacker skirmisher and defender and the idea between each round is that you and your team will decide which of your three legios are going to act in each of those roles and each of those roles will have access to um, different secondaries and different primaries. So you might want to kind of like um, do go for the role which suits your legio. Like if you're Vulper, for instance, you probably you might want to be you probably want to be an attacker, for instance. Um, if you are somebody like um, Legio Ignatum, you know, and you've got like a Fortis Manipul or something, yeah, then you know a defender might suit you. Um, and then you are in your games matched against your opposite number of the team of comparable skill. So if your team is one and their team is two, then rather than matching individuals against individuals, you get matched um, roll to roll. So I think I'll add a a nice bit of variety and hopefully almost like a little bit of a narrative uh, to an otherwise competitive um, tournament. Mm. Um, the only caveat being you can't play the same role back to back. So you couldn't go attack, 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 attack. You would have to go at least attack, skirmish, attack, skirmish, attack, so to speak. Um, so we're quite excited about how that's going to come out. Um, I'm going to draft in some additional help uh, to ref it. Um, and yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be awesome. I'm really, really yeah. looking forward to it. No, it's going to be wicked. Um, should we give a, a quick update on the bat wrap? Oh, yeah. Um, Next one. Do we want to talk about the old one first? As that's been out for a, a, a while now. Should oh, we? Should, should we yeah. quickly? Should we quickly touch upon? We'll, we'll, we'll do it quickly. Um, <laughs> Just gloss okay, over it. So... Johnny Johnny's debut in front of the camera on, on a bat wrap. How did it are go? Are we going to get the public apology now, or you know, should, should are we are we sweeping that under the rug? Um, um, it went awfully. Uh, to put it lightly, uh, Volper. <laughs> wow, I mean, this is you know spoilers if you haven't watched the the Volper. Uh, it, it's yet. been out for a month, so I think. That, yeah, you I know. know, but just in case, you never know. I don't want to invertly. Yeah, I I lost awfully, like really badly. Like I got absolutely stomped. And look at him with smug little face. Um, <laughs> I would argue that there are a couple of gamey decisions. What? Um, how dare uh, you? Such as a uh, a melee versus melee legio, only he brings a shit ton. Oh, a ton. It's all right. You swear. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. We 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 got we got ease in ease into yeah. it. It's um, not made for kids. It's fine. Uh, no, exactly. Uh, yeah, took a ton of ranged weapons in a in a melee brawl. So I think, I think really, you may have won the battle. But I, I won the heart of you. You won the moral victory, of, did you? Of the people, yeah, exactly. So I was, um, I, I was purely trying to demonstrate the fact that Laniascara are very good at close combat, but they they can also do other things. Yeah, you know, they are the, yeah, the yeah. versatile close combat DJ. Mm. Um, like, I, uh, like the the shutdown 
of my orders as well. You know, just demonstrating how yeah. to. Uh, it was it was a teachable moment. Demonstrating in that game. <laughs> it was a teachable moment. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. I I am bitter. Very bitter, man. I got um a lot of abuse on Discord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite was the uh that I hate Volper, um but I felt sorry for them in this bat rep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, the, the worst part of it was is I had to basically relive the trauma again while editing it. Um, so, <laughs> it was, it was a counselling moment, surely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't get to play a lot. There were definitely some mistakes made rules-wise um, that really kind of threw me down the hole that I was already kind of slipping down. Um, but you know, I still had fun. Like it was still a really fun game. That's the point, uh, isn't it? At the end of the day, in in the podcast before, and even at the beginning of the bat rep, I'm like, this is an all melee list. Is it meant to work? No. But when it does, it is so much fun, and it just it didn't work. Um, and and yeah, that's it. You only, you only you only see these things once, don't you? And mm. you know, I mean, you won't see another version of that game until we bring Volpa back in the future and do another game against mm-hmm. somebody else. So you can't really base your opinion on the Legio on that purely on that one, Please, one no. back bat rep. Because I'm definitely not the best Volpa player either. So <laughs> it's not even like it's uh you know competitive. Yeah. I, I am you know, I am sorry. Uh but as <laughs> as, as as I said as I said at the time as well, like I, I it, I, I had this card in front of me because we were still playing with the old uh, open war cards at this point on, on this one. Mm. And I was like, do I take this or don't I take this? And I thought, on one hand, it's dirty and it's mean. Uh, and it and it makes you a bad person. Uh, mm-hmm. But on the, on the flip side, there's a lot of people out there who I know, because I've spoken to people, who really struggle against combat legios. And they mm-hmm. don't know kind of like how to nullify them. And... There is a little bit of a stigma, I think, around the use of, in particular, the Stratagem Vox Blackout. And that, I think, stems back to when it used to be a one-point stratagem, and it was it was disgusting. Like, what it what you could do for one point was, was gross. It's now three points. It's a mm-hmm. sizable um, investment of your stratagem pool to use Vox Blackout. But it is one of the best ways to at least take the edge off of um, a, a melee legion, a melee melee legio. And you've got to remember as well is that if it doesn't, if you don't stop them in the turn that you play it, then they're going to charge you the next turn. So and they would, they will, and they will kill you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I did. I wanted to show it as this is what you can do against. Mm-hmm. To try, this is my story, and this is what I'm sticking to. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what I'm sticking yeah, to. Keep, as long as it's making you feel better, it is. It is making me feel yeah, better. Good. Okay. Um, yeah. In summary, though, yeah, really good, really good fun. Yeah. Um, I also, I kept going for heads, and I was like, I remember this working so much better at the tournament. I forgot the uh, the rending oh, on no. the chain fists that gives you the plus three uh, or plus d three strength. Um, when you roll a six, obviously you're rolling so many dice that you occasionally get a six. That's where you fish for the for the higher damage hits to the heads from. But yeah, that right. was a that was a 
hit the mistake that I picked up even after editing. I was oh, like, oh, no. wait. Just yeah. looking at my cards while I was trying to sort out the Tritonus stuff. And I was like, <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, dear. <laughs> Um, but then we we came back, didn't we? And we um, a couple of mm-hmm. weeks ago we, we recorded the new bat rep, which is Legio Audax versus Legio Tritonis. Um, and this one was the first time that we decided we were going to use the new match play rules. So it took us out of our comfort zone a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's, it was still new to us, you know. We've still only played probably about half a dozen games or so with the new match play um, rules. Um, so might. I think it took us a little bit longer to kind of get used to what we were supposed to be doing with the primaries and secondaries. There's a bit more to consider, isn't there? Um, yeah, on the surface, it doesn't really look like there's much change, but actually when you play it, you're like, oh, okay, there's there's a few more bits you have to consider. You know, there is even time sync into the actual use of stratagems now that you've got an open hand to play from. Um yeah, and, and not only that, but you have to... When you're playing open war and you've been used to playing open war, your objective is my objective. So we both know what it is and we can both remind each other of kind of what we're supposed to be doing. But with... Obviously, it was like this in the original, before open engine war, and they've refined it in the match play guide. Like You have your own primaries and secondaries and it does mean that there is a bit more to think about. Even though you you know you both had your own secondaries before anyway but just the fact that you've both got different primaries it, it introduces a nice element uh, to the game uh, but it does mean that you are a bit more personally responsible for making sure that you understand um mm. what it is that you're doing notepad uh, and pen definitely needed for games to start with yeah i'm sure we'll get used yeah. to it um, well i mean more for like tracking you know your own personal objectives there's a lot of uh, objectives that you have to like mark down units mm. oh yeah um, and then, like, mark down their, like, designation of whether they're alpha or beta, and then whether they're, like, sword or shield or yeah. something like that. And you're yeah. just like, oh, God, my brain. But it's good. It was a really good bat rep. Um, mm. Really enjoyed playing it. was a lot more it. balanced, yeah. I, I think. A the, lot more balanced. It really... I don't want to give away too much, but it no. was it was testy at times. Like, mm-hmm. there was some, some real moments in that, I think, mm-hmm. for both of us. I think it's about the longest one we've recorded as well. Because it went the whole way, the whole five turns. Whole five turns. Um, so we are going to experiment. Yeah, we are going to experiment with um, some different ways to present the video that aren't massively different, but should speed up the bat rep a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So once that's out, let us know what you think. If you're happy to sit through uh, a three to four hour slog of a bat rep, Hell yeah, um, but I think with with you know the times as they are at the moment, not many people have that amount of time to sink in to watch yeah. two grown men play tiny play robots. Games. I mean, it's, it, in, we've uh, always yeah. kind of considered it to be. We always like doing it because we talk about why we're doing things, and, uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of the feedback that we've had from people is that they like hearing the the, the thoughts, hearing what we're thinking, and why we're doing things. And there's always going to be an element that we'll be able to retain that, but we want to make sure that it's still digestible uh, for people. And I, I think we want to, we're aiming to get our videos down at to at least kind of the two hour mark, if possible. Sometimes it might go longer than that, but we don't want to be really running much longer um, no. than that. Purely, purely to make sure that the the most amount of people who can get to watch the video and get to enjoy it and. Um, see it all the way through to the end absolutely um 
the match play guys is something which is um, everyone is going to need to provide if they're attending Beachhead. Um, so if you are coming to Beachhead, make sure you pick up a copy of that. Um, it's considered to be part of the Tools of War. Um, but if you haven't bought it yet, I'd recommend picking it up, especially if you are only used to the original rulebook missions. These are so much better. Um, and gotcha. it's a minimal outlay of, of money. It's pretty affordable. It's not a very big book, but generally speaking, it's it's very good. There's a few bits in there which I go into details of um, in the video that we did uh, where we reviewed it, which are a little bit annoying, like missing <laughs> weapons and stuff. Um, but overall, definitely a good tool uh, to have in your rucksack. So go go pick that up. Um, right. Um we're very close to kind of moving on to the, the the deep dive at this point into Legio Tritonis, but I just wanted to um, touch very quickly on um, a couple of contentious points. So myself and Chris from Tabletop Standards exchange messages fairly frequently, and um, whenever there's like an ambiguous rule, we're, 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 we always the first point of call is always to kind of message the other person and get their opinion on it because we like to stay consistent as well because we're we're kind of local meta as well because he's uh they're up in like chichester we're down in bournemouth so we're within like an hour of each other um you know we've we've been to uh we've been on the, the, their channel we've they've come to our tournament so we like to keep things kind of consistent and also to give people the same um, experience if they're watching a maximal fire video they're watching a tabletop standard video we like to present the rules in the same way um from what we feel is like ha how we believe it's supposed to be played now i know some of that is open to interpretation in at because there is a bunch of rules which are ambiguous at best and are missing faqs so whenever one of those comes up we we try and hash out between us what our opinion is on it, how we think it should be done. Uh, we also work quite closely with the guys at Bottom of the Barrel Bat Reps as well. Um, and again, like quite often we're thinking along the same lines anyway. Um, but there was a couple of rules which came up recently. There was um, what I like to refer to as Arcgate, which, uh, <laughs> which happened on Facebook really divided the community yeah and there was like we're divided on it yeah there was like a full-on two factions you know green versus purple kind of scenario here and it was down to the way that a rule was written in uh the book about what counts as being in arc and what is can you target something and is it in arc now the two the two interpretations of that rule was that some people believed including ourselves this is where we came down that by the way that the rules were written, there was a sentence in there which implied that over half of the base had to be in arc for it to be in the front arc for you to shoot it. And then there was people who also believed that even if a millimetre of a base was in your front arc, then you could target it because it's in that arc. And it seemed to be... Both, both factions were kind of like... Um, very much kind of at loggerheads against each other. The people who were two millimetres in counters in were saying, oh, well, you know, 50% of the, the base needs to be in, and that's ridiculous. How can you ever do that? And the, the other people were like, well, if there's two millimetres in the base uh, in, that, that's mm. ridiculous. How can you contemplate that? I mean, we we always play the 50% rule, but we never found it to be a problem because because everyone knew that. 
everybody moved and maneuvered to accommodate that. So it very rarely came up in com- in, in a combat situation. Um, but there was that rule, which we were trying desperately to kind of find an answer to. Um, and, and both of us had some really good ideas um, and thoughts on that. And then the other one um, for us came down to interrupts and how stratagems which interrupt timings um, work and what takes priority over other things. So to give you an example, the obvious one is is the warp displacement rule. Using any phase, well, what does that mean? Um, yeah. And the there was another one as well, which was, um, oh, what's it called? Um, thermal mines. Th- thermal mines, where it says that when your opponent finishes their move, immediately give them some damage. And the, the situation there, we were like, well, if you're charging somebody, at what point in their charge can you apply the damage to their legs? Because the wording on a charge is immediately after moving, you attack your opponent. And the thermal mines was like, well, uh, the, immediately after your opponent stops moving, you do this. So it was a question of, is the move finished when they physically stop moving or is the move finished when they've finished the entire charge action? So we did send these out. Um, we got in touch with the FAQ team at, at GW and uh, on both of these counts, um, Chris reached out on his, I reached out on ours. Luckily, we, despite doing it on two different occasions on two different days, we got the same person on the FAQ team and they provided the ruling. So one of these, I feel like um, I lost the argument and on the other one, I feel like I won the argument. So the on the ARC um, side of things, GW said um, that any part of the base can be in, in ARC. So we've, we've held our hands up and said, okay, fine. We've taken that ruling that we had in our Maximal Fire FAQ pack out and we have basically clarified it in that mm. to align with what we were told by, by GW. I mean, it lines up with all their other games as well, right? Yeah. Line of sight with every other game you play at GW is if it touches any part of the base. Um, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not too fussed either way, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it doesn't irk me that it could be two millimetre in because judging 50% is tricky sometimes. And then you also feel like... Let's say you're like 49% out of arc, right? Or, you know, oh, you you're like, oh, it, surely. leg is literally about to trip my Titan <laughs> over and you're telling me I can't shoot him. Yeah. Okay. So I think, you know, it, it, it was a very like contentious one between the two sides, yeah. but both have like ridiculous scenarios. Yeah. Um, it's it, yeah. it, it was and it was also always going to upset somebody. Uh, and, and the ruling that we got on our question um, was, uh, you know around the timings the example that we we gave to them around warp displacement for instance was that if you um if somebody begins their action can you use warp displacement on their turn and their mm. response was you can use it on their turn but not when they have started activating so your timing for utilizing it in their turn is effectively right before they start their action or right after they finish their action, in which case it is really just an extension of either your own turn or happening just before your own turn. Um, And the priority in the situation I gave with the Thermal Mines was that the stratagem would activate prior to the completion of 
the charge. So you would move, the stratagem would attack the legs, and then they would do the charge. Um, mm. It's it's a tricky situation, and it's it's made more difficult when there are conflicting keywords that are the same, like immediately. Um, but mm-hmm. ultimately, the the ruling from them was unless a stratagem specifically says it interrupts, it does not interrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in my head with these sort of things, um, if you go to like other game systems, so my like first thoughts on it for the interrupts was um, like if you look at MTG, for example, Magic the Gathering, um, you have like a a stack of effects like immediate effects and they resolve once uh by priority of who was last to declare them so for example your your opponent declares the charge you then play the thermal mind so you now have the priority if there are a clash between two immediate actions so the immediate having the attack and the yeah and i i guess that kind of is how this works and then Mm. there's going to be some traits as well which would kind of you know legio traits which would would come up um across this And and i i hear people already you know they say well you know the FAQ team is not Games Workshop. Mm. The way that I kind of fall down on this is they are more qualified to make those decisions than Alex at Maximal Fire is with his unofficial um, FAQ. <laughs> so even even not though it's it's a it's a singular voice, right? At yeah. the end of the day, it doesn't. They are representing the game. Yeah. Who cares if they're not actual GW staff or or whatever, right? Like they're representing the game uh, at, from an official front. Therefore, we should all just play the same thing so that we're all got the same kind of meta yeah. going on. Yeah, and, and that was the reason that we created the unofficial FAQ, right? Was to give people that level playing field that they can they know that when they're both coming together, they're they're singing from the same song sheet, but. Yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to see if somebody asks the same questions in exactly the same way that we ask them, and if they get a different response. But, yeah. but the you know, I, with with these kind of things, I'm sort of done debating them. Um, yeah. We spent a lot of time kind of discussing these and, and reaching out to people on them. So until GW publish something in their errata or in a book or anything like that, which says anything contrary to what was we were told by the FAQ team, then we're going to continue to play it the way that we were told. Um, and that has all been updated in our Maximal Fire FAQ pack. Um, it's not only... It, it doesn't include just interpretations, the stuff in there which are commonly kind of forgotten about rules as well. Um, for instance, people, people often forget that, no, you can't take armages um, as a banner of knights on their own. Um, you can only take what armages... People? I did. I did. But I've also seen it happen at tournaments. Um, yeah. People have rocked up to tournaments, and I've not realised when I check their lists that this is the case. You need mm-hmm. to have a banner of non armager knights for every unit of retainers, which are armagers. So, again, think little rules like that, which people don't necessarily remember or don't notice, um, we try and put in there. Um, so, yeah, just wanted to make a kind of stance clear there address that whole kind of debacle which was a lot of fun over the time um i feel like i lost the arc debate but i feel like i won the interrupt debate so i'm happy win some lose some right um and i think that it came down pretty fair i'd be very upset if both like if i was so out of it and left field in my in my interpretation that i got everything wrong but you know we didn't. We we got it about right, more or less. Um, so yeah, do check out if um, 
you are running an event or if you um, are playing with people you've never played before, um, maybe have a look at our Maximal Fire FAQ. It does give you a good kind of, if you can say to somebody, can we play using this rule set so we both know how we're going to interpret things, there's no, there's no nasty surprises when somebody plays something which your local meta plays a different interpretation to. That was the whole point of using it. And it also means anyone turning up to our tournaments know in advance how some of these commonly um, ruled rules um, are going to be interpreted. Absolutely. Right. Mm. Take a breath. Are you ready? I'm always ready. So I'm going to get ye old trusty Traitor Legion's book in front of me. And as always with these, man is going to read mm. from a book for a few minutes. And we're going to talk I... about the Dark Tide Legio Tritonis. So last year, um, when Ben was still on the show, we did um, an episode about Legio Veneta. Um, and Legio Tritonis are their disgruntled, grumpy little siblings. Uh, well, I mean, that's a bit a bit you know derivative well do you want to well maybe 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 you should give a little bit more of a uh an overview of who they are yeah okay before we before we get crunchy with the uh, traits and stuff uh legio tritonis dark side as alex said um were originally uh once legio venator they hail from a planet called arachnus and essentially this planet is like a huge forge world uh horus heresy happens um emperor's like yo boys back me up um there was a kind of like schism between the two halves of the forge world um some wanted to kind of not deport all of their titans and lose any defenses um and kind of just act independently uh others you know did want to go and help the emperor because it's mankind and all that all that jazz uh essentially what happened is is the the um black shield or traitor not really traitor elements um of venator said oh yeah okay you guys go and help the emperor's cruiser uh you know like fight in the horus heresy we'll be back here and we'll like back you up when you need it um they basically did their own drop site massacre but without having to kill anyone they just like flushed all the loyalist elements of um of of Venator away and then reform themselves as Tritonus uh as Dark Tide. Then Horus came along and was like, oh yeah, these guys hate the Emperor, so they must be cool with me. Start doing a load of trade deals. Then Horus leaves and they're like, actually, you know, we both think, you know, we think you're both pieces of shit and we're <laughs> going to just sit on our island of, you know, us and we're gonna look out for ourselves and we've just you know, made loads of good trade deals from both both sides. Um, yeah, those are yeah, they're, they're pretty cool. Um, they like well, they, their planet is full of giant spiders, which is why Venator is covered in spider symbols and stuff like that, right? So, um, Tritonus and Venator, to a degree, um, like fighting big scary spiders and big scary monsters, which is why a lot of their um, traits and a lot of their themes are centered around more heavier um titans so warlords etc um which is really cool because they actually reflect that in the gameplay as well 
Uh, uh, yeah, they're just kind of really cool. They, they are cool, and they have a, a really nice color scheme as well, uh, which is mm. always good to see. But the, these these guys are what you essentially class as the only true Black Shield um, Legio that exists at the moment. They've been bundled in with the traitors, I think, to make up the numbers. So there's the same amount on either <laughs> on either side yeah. for the book. Um, but as far as Black Shield Legio, uh, allegiances go. These guys at the moment are the only canon Legio which are sp- specifically Black Shield. Um, unfortunately, the Black Shield um, allegiance ability is just a bit rubbish. Um, and by by not choosing Loyalist or Traitor, you lose out on the Loyalist or Traitor war gear, you lose out on the Loyalist or Traitor stratagems. And there is none of that for Black Shield. Like Black Shield is quite un- underrepresented and under-supported at the moment. You have the Allegiance ability, but then you don't have any Black Shield-specific um, war gear. You don't have any Black Shield-specific um, stratagems. So a lot of people end up taking these guys as traitors um, rather than as um, yeah, as Black Shields or, or as Loyalists, because really Venator are the Loyalists. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't ever play tri- lo- Loyalist Triturnist because yeah. that is just Venator. Well, I suppose you yeah. could you could say, well, th- this is the loyal heavy side of Legio Venator, uh, maybe? Uh, maybe, at a stretch? Uh, yeah, but they have different colours and everything. It's Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I, I don't want to, you know, it's everyone else copy us, you know, no gatekeeping here, no. but, you know. The, the little law stickler in me is screaming to be let out of his yeah. goblin cage, uh, it, the idea of that. It would be nice to see a bit more support for the Black Shields. Mm-hmm. I, I think if they release, release another book, it would be nice to see a book on maybe Black Shields and, and uh, a redoing of the um, house um, households, uh, night households, mm. or, or something like that in a new book. That, that would be that would be nice. It feels like they've doubled down though with putting them in the traitor book. You know what I mean? Like if that it, was ever there going to be their plan, it seems very weird that they've just gone. Maybe, but then I do wonder if maybe these were ready and the book mm. was coming out and they didn't want to not include it in something and, and remove it entirely um, and just leave it in the, what was the last book that came out? Um, Crucible of Retribution book. Mm-hmm. Um knowing that there wasn't going to be anything to come for the near future. Perhaps. Who knows? Um, but yes, these are the the Black Shield guys. Nobody runs them as Black Shields. <laughs> Obviously you can if you want to, but from a gamey point of view, there's there's more negatives than there are benefits, really, uh, to doing it. But you you, the way that you've approached it is you run them as traitors, but yeah. then you try not to take anything overly corrupt or anything yeah, no, overly kind of like gribbly no corruptions whatsoever that's what my vulpers for right so yeah you, you can bring them traitor then just don't give them tentacles you know like just yeah. just give them normal war gear make them look like relatively well-kept titans um yeah and just play it play it as that no one should have any issue with you doing that or at least anymore because now they're in the book um, but yeah, yeah. But they they are. Uh, if you want to do that, of course, you are more than welcome to do so. Um, but mm. it is it is one of those legios which, to me, if I'm if I'm thinking fluff, there are certain legios in here which, w- to me, work really well as as fluff corrupt legios, 
and there are Legios in here, which not so much, which mm-hmm. which which to me are more pure in their heresy than uh, well, it depends which way you consider to be pure heresy. It might be, <laughs> yeah. You know, corruptions may be the pure heresy, the purest form of heresy might be yeah. tentacles and uh, writhing carapaces. Um, but anyway, should we talk about the rules? Yeah, uh, just a, a big, a bit kind of uh, of a amendment on the rules and with Black Shield as well. Is you'll find that a lot of these rules that we go through um, basically nullify the the Black uh, Black Shield bonuses of command checks anyway. So it's worth keeping that in mind as well if you're if you're looking at, uh, yeah. at running them. Okay, so the first one here we have Tide of Iron. Um, Oh gosh, it, it starts with the name of a uh, of a city, which I'm going to have to try and quickly work out. Ictomia. Does that sound about That's right to you? Yeah. Yeah, it's Ictomia. Ictomia, the first moon of Arachnus, had long ago altered its production capacity in favour of warlord titans, which were better suited to fight the mega arachnids that once played plagued Arachnus. Any Legio Tritonis Manipult may select a warlord titan in place of any Reaver titan as part of its mandatory components. Note that for the purposes of the Manipul's rules, the replacement titan does not count as the titan type it is replacing. So this is the op- this is the flip side of the Venator rule, which allows you to replace any warlord in the mandatory components with a reaver. Yeah. On paper, pretty cool. But actually, when you're building Manipul's and you're not getting the, uh, the, the bonus that the reaver would have got in that Manipul, you realise that it's actually not that great. It's the, the, there's a couple of standouts here for me, and I know mm. I know that you've chosen to go a different kind of route. You don't really use this, but from a player perspective, in your case, you specifically took a choice that you didn't want to build loads of um, of reavers because you'd built and done reavers as part of your yeah. your vulpus. So you wanted to go a little yeah, bit of, of a course. different route, and you wanted to go and, and what you'll see on the bat rep is is warhounds and, and warlords. So you didn't really represent that in the bat rep, but no, there are, very true. but there for other people there are that there is less maniples than you think that there probably would be that you would benefit from mm. this, but there is still a reasonable amount. So the standout ones for me are the corsair. So you <laughs> could you could take three warlords in a corsair maniple, for instance, or even just one. You know, you take the regular sort of four reavers and then you have one of those which is a warlord and being able to move four inches backwards or four inches to the side with a warlord is is quite a you know quite a big deal or you could go heavier on a fortis and and introduce an extra um uh warlord instead of the reaver in a fortis maniple um the ferox the good old tried and trusted ferox um is another good use for this um and again, you you could you could use with the models that you've got, you could build a minimum ferox quite easily yeah. using a warlord because, as per the FAQ which came out recently as well, and um, the ferox bonus is within the range of the titan that is shooting. So a, a warlord in ferox um, is pretty devastating because you get that plus one to armor uh, rolls within ten inches of it, which for a warlord is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, but there is obviously there's there's less than you think it is because it's only the mandatory components. You know, axiom. Mm-hmm. You could have two warlords and an axiom. You could have, I, be, I believe there's a 
Is there a reaver in the mandatory components of a um, precept, or is that in the? E- oh, or is e- that in the? Yes. Let's just say possibly in a precept. I'm going to caveat mm. that with a who knows, um, or I could just flick back in the book and have a quick, quick. I was trying goose. to find one of the old precept boxes when I was making this. Uh, no, you couldn't do a precept because it's an optional. Is the reaver? Oh. Um, you could do a janissary. Said no one ever. Said no one ever. Uh, but you, but you could. Um, you could do a firmus light, which is another one of those forgotten um, ones. Usually for a good reason. Yeah, but the, the thing you've got to kind of watch out for is um, you couldn't take like a venator, for instance, manipul, which would be ironic. A venator, really a venator manipul in a. Did you try tennis? Because the Venator specifically says the Reaver Titan gets to shoot when the Warlords drop, uh, the Warhounds drop the shields on a target. Because yeah. it doesn't get that counts as, you, you don't get it in that. So really you're looking for those ones which says says Titans in this maniple, like the Corsair, like with the um, Ferox, like with the Axiom, those mm-hmm. types of ones which kind of it, are agnostic to, to what Titan it is. I think there's some interesting maniples that you can do here. I don't think it's as... It's certainly not as good as the Griffonicus Reaver replacement, which is across anything in, in the um, optional or mandatory. And I don't think it's as good as the um, Venator version of this, where you can swap out a Warlord for a um, a war, uh, for a Reaver. And, mm. and the reason being is that Warlords are expensive, so like with the with Venator you can do like a you could take three reavers a war warlord and a, a warbringer and that could be an extergamus maniple and and you could probably fit that in 1750 and reavers and an extergamus are very very good but because they're expensive you'll never get more than th- unless you're absolutely crazy with your loadouts um like Johnny Cor's dad Peter is at some of our tournaments uh, you, you you won't you you won't fit more than three reavers in most seventeen. That's more than three warlords in mm. most seventeen fifties. So, it's I don't think it's going to be one of those traits that you're replacing all of the reavers with warlords. Like I say, like a, a warlord to back up a corsair maniple, I think would be good. Like one out of the out of the three that you could take it, or adding an extra warlord into a um a fortis maniple or something like that but it's it is a little bit less flexible purely on the price of the the model and the maniples that you can fit it in part of me really wants to run a free warlord corsair <laughs> but the rest of me knows that it is I an think, awful idea i think that the thing the, the thing with that idea and the reason why i wouldn't do it is mm. the benefit of the Corsair Maniple is that the Reavers are quite agile. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving, um, what is what is it, six inches to the left or to the right is a considerable yeah. amount of, of distance, especially on the base size it's on. But you, for a Warlord, four inches on a 120mm oval is not a huge amount of distance. No. So... You're not going to get the benefit of things like being able to sidestep out of the way of a, an incoming charge, or something like that, or, or getting yourself behind cover or something. Well, maybe maybe the latter, but it's just a bit more tricky 
Um, the Corsair is very manoeuvrable. It does add additional manoeuvrability to um, to the Warlord. The main benefit I see of, of swapping the Warlord in the Corsair is getting that extra punch into a Corsair mana pool and getting yeah. a, a few bonuses to boot. Yeah, absolutely. You're kind of making me want to buy some Reavers for my... I, I think now. you should. You should buy at least two, I think. I just... Uh, have so many for Bulpa. <laughs> I know, but these these will be different. These will be clean ones without any grubbly bits. They'll be clean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do like painting Tritonus, I'll give you that. Yeah, and they do they look fun. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it's 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 always nice to have options. Um it's it's certainly not a bad rule. Um I just don't think it's as flexible as other um re- um Titan replacement abilities that other Legios have. Like yeah. Fortidus or Griffonicus or even mm-hmm. even Venator. Next up is Revel in the Slaughter. This is another trait. Um, so the Horus Heresy was seen as a way to enact vengeance upon the Imperium who had shackled their world to a distant overlord. Add one to the result of all command checks made by friendly Legio Tritonis Titans for each enemy Titan previously destroyed during this battle to a maximum of three. So I guess that's like the kind of, you're getting the encouragement and the confidence um, as you're kind of going along. Mm. To me, it seems like a rule which you're probably going to forget. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's also the, the rule that kind of makes the uh, Black Shield uh, allegiance ability of command check shenanigans basically, you know, pretty mute. What I know we talked about not corrupting um, mm. Titans. Um, Felicia Tritonis, but I think that this this would work quite nicely in a corrupt um, oh, yeah. Tritonis because once you've killed one or two Titans, then those corrupt Titans are getting a better a command mm. check because it's not an order check, it's a command check. So all of your um, machine spirit checks are going to be better um, yeah. as well. And, you know, as we've said before, you're probably going to be taking a few Warlords, which have a command of three anyway as basic. You know, you're only going to benefit from that once before it's a two plus, and then you always fail on a one. So, you know, the heavier titans aren't going to get much benefit from this. Warhounds would would benefit from this, um, mm-hmm. but again, it's it's one of those things you've got to remember and probably have a little counter that you keep. Like, okay, that's that one tick. That means I'm on a plus one to all of my rolls. I imagine myself, I would forget this rule. Yeah. Um, but it's, I try so hard to remember it, but yeah, I, it's, it, it's it's a nice one, though I think. Um, mm. But it depends on how quickly you're intending on killing titans, mm-hmm. because you're probably not going to. Well, if you're bringing heavy stuff along, right? Assuming you aren't also against a heavy mana pool, you're looking to kill stuff pretty quickly, or you've got bigger problems than getting bonuses to your command checks. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess what I'm I'm coming at is that you probably won't see this bonus come into play before turn two at the earliest. In most cases, mm-hmm. you probably won't see anything significantly benefiting you until turn three onwards. Um, you might be on a plus one on turn two, for instance, mm. later on in turn two in the combat phase. You might get it earlier, but it's yeah. it's a there's no downside to it. Um, it's 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 nice to have. It doesn't it doesn't blow me away. 
Um, but like I say, I think there's there's a bit of play in there to kind of help corrupt um, Titans and and those sort of Warhound heavy Titans as well. Which you know, Commander Five Plus is always a little bit tricky. Oh, the difference yeah. between a Five Plus and a Four Plus is pretty huge when it comes to um, command checks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not, um, not bad. It's also worth noting as well. Specifically, enemy titans destroyed, so no knights. Yes, none of that. Yeah, yeah, no easy kills. <laughs> and it has to be. Uh, oh no, I'm just um, I'm rereading that wrongly. No, so ignore that. It doesn't have okay. to be anything. Doesn't have to be anything. It's got to it's be gotta kill stuff. It's got to kill stuff. And it has to be titans. Yeehaw. Um, this next one, in my opinion, is like Tritonus's prestige, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, oh, yeah. This is the Legio-specific stratagem Stygian Veil. Vale. A vanguard of Arachnus tech cadres would accompany the Legio Tritonus to battle, deploying esoteric devices that could temporarily shroud a portion of the battlefield in impenetrable darkness. Play stra- uh, this stratagem can be purchased by any Legio Tritonus player. Play this stratagem during any strategy phase. The Legio Tritonus player may immediately pick up to three points anywhere on the battlefield, each point must be at least 10 inches away from a previously chosen point. Any section of the battlefield within 3 inches of a chosen point blocks line of sight, and any non-Legio Tritonus unit within 6 inches or more of one point suffers a minus 2 penalty on command checks they make. At the start of the end phase, the stratagem's effects end. You don't even need that last command check bit for that to be one of the best stratagems in the game. Three concealment barrages, three six-inch yeah. diameter. It's not, not large blast. <laughs> yeah, not, not large blast templates. Bigger than that. Yeah. Um, if you want to nullify and just focus on, like, I mean, you could with that much. I mean, I know you can't place them within ten. Um, was it ten inches? Did I say ten inches away from each other? Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd have to leave like a little bit of a probably like a four-inch. Well, there'd be a gap. Um, or would there? No, because you, well, no, you could deploy them. No, 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 because twelve inch. Yeah, they over, they would overlap. They would overlap, wouldn't they? Because they're six yeah. inches. Yeah. Um. You you could basically shut off an entire quarter of a a table with this, mm-hmm. if you wanted to. Yeah. It, oh, and the minus two to command checks. Yeah. Actually, in both our practice in the both the practice games, no, the free practice games I played and the the game we played as well did come into effect. Did did you in t- some shape or form? Oh, you you did take it, didn't you? In our game? No, not in not in the bat wrap in the game that we oh, played oh, before. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um. You know, minus and it's command checks again. It's not orders. It's mm-hmm. it's your orders. It's your um, machine spirit checks. It's it's awful. Um. In a, in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Um. And there's something later. We'll come back to this later on, which allows you to do something else, which is even mm-hmm. more gross. Uh, well, makes that even more gross, but it's it, it's good. It does have its limitations, um, as well. It's a it's three points, three stratagem points, yeah, which is a a big sink. Everyone that's going against you knows you're going to take it. I mean, obviously now that it's open information, but if they know they're going up against Tritonus, they know that they can kind of you know tailor themselves accordingly, um, because it starts strategy. Or at any point during a strategy phase as well, uh, stuff like warhounds can just move out of it. 
they've got the movement to just completely avoid it. But against like equally heavy mana pools or or more stationary mana pools, oh, you set up your own fire lanes. You basically you dictate for a turn, or possibly more. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, where you want, you know, to be open and visible on the battlefield. So you can just have like one or two enemy titans um, be able to see you and all of your titans be able to see them and the rest of them are just blocked off by this barricade. It really can be punishing if used correctly. I mean, obviously you are blocking your own line of sight off against them. However, if if you need to get some cheeky emergency repairs out there on yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, or you literally want to go, okay, well, that guy's... Some of these deployments now are kind of quartered. Mm you know, I'm going to shut off this entire quarter. I'm just going to focus on those guys for a turn. You know, maybe they're the fast guys, they're the slow guys, but they're the heavy hitters. I'll just cut them off. All of a sudden, there's no warlord shooting at you or something. Then, yeah, it is, it's a very, very good strategy. I I, I would put it in probably one of the top, I was going to say top 10, but I I think maybe even top five. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I would say definitely top five. Yeah. But it is expensive. That's that's the downside. Yeah. But with the with the open hands now, like you say, um, you have I think it's six cards in a hand for seventeen fifty. One of these would be Stygian Veil, and that threat is always there. But obviously, the the other opponent knows you've got it in your hand, mm. and you you choose to use it if you want to. Seventy mm. percent of the time, we will use it on first turn to block the enemy from shooting you with their big stuff. Yeah, but. You know, you can always just save it for later on in the game. If well, you, you get I mean, or... if if you are carrying an objective and you need to get mm-hmm. that, you know a guy off, for instance, put Stygian Veil down. That guy can't be shot now, and they've got a whole turn that they can do what they need to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. The last one. Um, this is a war gear option. Radiative war. Radiative warheads. Uncaring of the damage done to the planets they conquered, the Legio Tritonus quickly implemented the use of warheads that contained a radiation-heavy payload that placed great strain upon void shields. Any Legio Tritonus um, Titan armed with either Apocalypse Missile Launchers or an Apocalypse Missile Launcher may be equipped with Radiator Warheads for 25 points, as long as that Titan Radiator? Does, radiator. Radiative Warheads for 25 points, as long as that Titan does not have uh, already have an upgrade affecting affecting that weapon each war each weapon a titan is armed with must be upgraded separately when making an attack with a weapon with this upgrade against a target with active void shields each roll of six counts as two hits so a couple of things here it says it's obviously apocalypse missile launchers and apocalypse apocalypse missile launcher which means you can't take this on a war master for instance because it doesn't some some of them, some other similar things, call out the batteries. Um, this doesn't, so you have to take it on a reaver or a or a warlord. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this book was released after that as well. Yeah. So that is specifically yeah. excluding the real big boys. The the other thing which often comes up with the question of this is um, the whole as long as it doesn't have an upgrade affecting this weapon. Um, mm-hmm. There was there's always been a lot of debate as to whether the tracking gyros affect the weapon or the titan we've always ruled that the wording says specifically titan so you could Mm -hmm. take tracking gyros and you could take this um the example that we're using in comparison to kind of back that up is that things like homing warheads or hardened carapace say 
specifically they upgrade a weapon. So you couldn't take uh, hardened carapace on the same thing that you took radiated warheads, but you could take yeah. um, tracking gyros and and radiated warheads. It basically gives you rapid on shield hits with missile launches, which is is pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, really, really nice. Exploding sixes are always when you're rolling that many dice. Yes, with, uh, apocalypse missile launches. You know, you're guaranteed to get a. You know, there was a couple of instances I think in the bat rep where I ended up with more hits than dice I rolled. Mm. <laughs> it's pricey. It's quite funny. Yes, twenty five is a lot when you when you mm. factor that in with it being twenty five for the tracking gyros as well. If you were running two- fifteen for the missile launches. Is it fifteen for the missile launches? Oh, for the for the actual missiles. The actual missile launches yeah, themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. you know, you're adding fifty points on top of the base cost of the Titan, just just mm-hmm. with war gear. If you're choosing to take both of those, which is a hundred points if you take more than one warlord. So pricey. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's something that you would take on everything. Um, mm-hmm. I personally, and I think you do this the same as well. I I would be taking this on warlords. Where you've mm-hmm. got you know those big ten dice, I wouldn't be spending twenty five points, or would I? Because on a reaver, you're only adding twenty five points. True, because you don't have to worry about the tracking gyro. No, because mm. it's three sixty. So maybe maybe that is the most cost effective way of doing it. Because what you've got on the back is a five dice mega bolter against shields, effectively, yeah. which can barrage and then di- and. Mm-hmm. Um, one less dice, sixes explode. It's it's decent. It's expensive, but it's it's decent. I I wouldn't. I don't think you'd take this on everything, but it would be worth if if you're taking like three reavers, for instance, and one or two of them have got missiles and the other ones have got other things. Then, yeah, hundred points might be worth might be worth taking it. Comes yeah. down to whether or not that's worth more to you than taking a banner of armager knights. Or something like that, which are quite cheap these days. Assuming you've got other um, knights that you can run with them, as I discussed earlier. Um, but no, not bad. Not the most amazing war gear. Quite expensive, but adds a nice yeah. bit of flavour. Um, opens up some options. Certainly adds a bit more punch to that opening salvo. No, oh, 100%. Okay. Shall we talk traits? Let's do it. So, three as usual. First one, uh, tactical genius. The Princeps is a natural leader able to quickly react to their foes and adapt a battle plan to counter any change in fortunes. When the Princeps is on the battlefield, the player may re-roll the dice when determining who will be the first player. If they do so, the Princeps Titan cannot be activated in the following strategy phase. It's eh. It started off well um, mm. and ended badly for me, personally. Mm-hmm. Um now that you're choosing stratagems um, in match play, stratagems, uh, personal traits, why would you take this and not dominant strategist? Because, you know, f- fair enough that you can use this every turn. Well, you can't use this every turn. You can... No, you can use it every turn, but and then it's... you are losing out on strategy phases to do orders. Um so unless you have a Titan which you know you're not going to do any orders for, mm. or minimal amounts of orders, um, 
I don't know if that is better than having dominant strategy. Well, what is better than dominant strategist? It's probably one of the best ones in the game. But like being able to just take it and say, right, well, I'll, yeah. I'll have that. Whereas this, this is just a re-roll as well. It's not like you're, you know, if you're guaranteed to get it, you re-roll. It's not a terrible. It's not a terrible one if you're rolling. I'll I'll say um, if you were rolling a d three on this and you got that, it's it's a nice thing to have. Um, yeah, I, I don't there know. Are if, definitely worse traits. Yeah, I don't know if I would be picking that over some of the other ones. Um, mm. Myself. Any other thoughts? Yeah, no, just the the fact that obviously it's not it's not guaranteed. Why wouldn't you take uh, dominant strategist? Yeah. Okay, second one, Lust for Vengeance. Uh, the Princeps values damage to their Titan as the greatest insult a foe can give and will strive to ensure the perpetrator is torn apart in return. Once per game, the Titans, uh, when the Titans, uh, when the Princeps mm. Titan suffers critical damage, the Titan may respond in kind. After resolving all of the effects of an attack that caused the critical damage, the Princeps Titan may immediately make a single attack with any of its non-disabled weapons against the unit that caused the critical damage. If this attack destroys the enemy units, the opponent's activation ends. Duh. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's um, good. That's good. I think the real gem in that is it is not the first time that Titan takes critical damage. It is when that Titan takes critical damage, once per game it may... You know, it is a, a May ability. So if you're getting shot from behind, you don't just lose it, right? Yeah. Or you have to shoot it with your Ardex or something dumb like that. You know, you... Um, I mean, it is yeah. only it is only one weapon that you're shooting, right? Mm. But, you know, a free attack <laughs> is always good. You know, it's the same, like, when you um, fail your machine spirits and you get to attack, you know, it's it's a bonus activation, If it, assuming it's not in your turn, which like when you're pushing your shields and stuff getting a free mm. shot out of out of sequence is good and if somebody's hitting you with blasts and they're potentially scattering this critical gap damage all across your titan then you know this this can be used frequently oh no no no, oh, no it can't it's, once be, it's, it's once per game isn't it yeah okay so maybe maybe that's not as as awesome as i'm thinking it is but it's it's no it's still, I think it's still really good. I think they're definitely with a lot of these, well, with a few of the scenarios in the new match playbook that require Titans to kill uh, a certain number of Titans or, or anything like that. I think it could be a really, really good um, thing to kind of hold back until it's needed. You don't want to be doing it against a Titan that's, you know, full health, shields up. You either do it against a Titan that's within, you know, close enough to ignore shields or just a Titan that's shields down. Um, because you're not taking critical damage early on, are you? No. You, you know. But my question here is, if your Titan was destroyed, could it still attack? Because mm -hmm. it, it, it just says after... No, I suppose it's when after it, resolving yeah. all of the effects of the attack that caused the critical damage. So if you'd blown up, that would be an effect uh, of the critical damage. Okay. So I was looking for something in there for... Uh, similar because similar to like the tempestus they when they die they get to shoot things um yeah. but I, I was wondering if that might be something that you'd want to hold back on but i don't think i don't think you can no. Um, no, it'd be it'd be dead you'd have to yeah which is actually really interesting because then it, you'd have to you know play a game of chicken with yourself to see how long you're going to hold on to it for before your titan just dies anyway 
interesting thing you could do with this as long as they're in weapon arc uh, which is easier now that we've got the kind of any part of the base must be an arc thing um if you got charged by knights and they cause critical damage then you could open up with your sun fury or your um <laughs> other thing right yeah and just blow them away um, bye bye yeah, that, that might be something worth holding out for, but that obviously is dependent on them not charging you in the front or not charging mm-hmm. you and being anywhere in your flank. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting one. Um, mm. Again, if I rolled it, I think I'd be okay with that. Um, there's there's other things that I think that... This this to me feels like if you were taking a demi-maniple, two demi-maniples, for instance, this might be um, a nice one to have on one and then have something a bit more potent on the the other um just to add a bit of flavor but mm-hmm. yeah um not not bad not bad not the greatest not bad pretty good yeah no. happy with that pretty pretty standard um, the last one is leader of arachnus so the princeps is highly respected on their home world and has an army of retainers tech priests and strategists that will gladly follow them into battle the presence of this princeps within the battle group allows it to purchase the Legio-specific stratagems Stygian Veil multiple times, with each purchase after the first costing two stratagem points instead of three. Though the stratagem can be purchased multiple times, it can only be played once per phase. Now, Booyah. again, since the the introduction of a stratagem hand has been introduced, I think that's quite nice, because yeah. you're not spending all of your stratagem points on one card. That one card becomes part of the um six in a 1750 that you would have you can just use that multiple times it would be your whole five points to use it um but you could take other things and again if you were taking this in a demi maniple it it gives a lot of threat to what you can do even if you don't intend to spend all five points on um stygian veil you can if you want to and if the situation sort of um would depend on it and it adds that i was concerned when they introduced the whole open hand that it would take away a lot of the surprise but actually what i found is it it creates quite a lot of second guessing of yourself it's like which one is they going to use you're going to use that is going to use that which one am i more afraid of do i need to hold back a strategy myself to kind of counter if they're going to play that and i would be tempted in that situation again you have another maniple which has got something a bit more potent like a bit more reliable in it like you know maybe you do take um the often lamented um dominant strategist or or maybe something um a bit more straightforward like um favored by fortune uh, which is good you know every round and then your second one you take this and you're basically saying well do you remember that thing that i did to you in the first turn i can do that again now and like you say if 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 your objective is all about taking an objective and getting off the board and their objective is all about slow titans moving forward or something well, you know what? I'm going to give myself two turns of of complete cover. It might it might not be the most exciting of games, but you can you would be able to. I mean, that's just we we pick said, and choose. Decision fail lets you pick and choose your fights. Yeah. Being able to do that twice a game, even if you're behind, should help could help you swing. Yeah, swing it massively to your favor. So that's a good one. I do like that. 
Mm. But again, I I'm not sure if I would take that in a one mana pool force. Just because again, it's a it's a one it's 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 a one trick pony. It's not really adding anything else. I like things that you can get a lot of use out of, or mm. a significant use out of, and um, like things like dominant strategist is is a once per game ability, but it adds something different. Whereas that you're not only, you know, if that was like play it again as part once per game, play that again, then that would be a whole different level of um, ridiculousness. <laughs> but yeah. You still got to spend the extra two stratagem points, so there's still a cost to it. Although it is slightly cheaper the second time, but it is, it's good. You know, taking yeah. that twice. I, I like I say, just just from a threat perspective, even if you're not planning on doing it, because before with a closed hand, if you said, "Oh well, he's got this," well, chances are that your entire hand was going to be your one card. Yeah. that you can play twice and there's no surprise yeah. to it because you didn't have the option um of of changing it um and why would you take that if you weren't going to use it because you're just basically doing yourself out of a a princeps ability whereas now you can take that and you can bluff with other cards or make them worry too much about the stygian veil so they don't bunch up too much so you can spread them out a little bit more interesting Lots of tactical options there. Yeah, absolutely. So, having played them a few times, what's your kind of final thoughts on Tritonus? Oh, I love them. I think they're really good fun. Um, you know, they're they're not as um, I guess in depth as other legios can get. Um, you can pretty much run them however you want although you know tide of iron lets you replace uh the reavers for the warlords nothing really in the rules is is super pushing you to one specific play style um stygian veil itself can be used for basically any any kind of um any kind of force so i think there's just a someone that suffers a lot with decision paralysis in games it's nice just to be able to go right okay i know what i'm doing here i've got some big titans to shoot across the board i can choose you know even if i miss deploy or if i maybe move into an area that is is a bit sketchy i can you know defend myself i i have a, a way to get out of a tricky situation that you, you don't really get with a lot of other uh, Legios quite easily, and I think versatile is probably a word mm -hmm. that I would think. You know, like toolbox Legio. Yeah, there there is nothing in there, like you say, which is saying right. Well, you're going to benefit from taking these types of weapons. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. Obviously, you are probably want to take at least one missile, maybe. Yeah. Um, but you're not really kind of heavily focused on 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 that. So I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be tempted to build around that. I would, t you know, throw a smattering of them in here or there, and the rest of it you can put kind of leave up to your own, um, you know, your own wishes. And um, there's not going to be anything which, like you say, is is really pigeonholing you. Yeah. In in, in what you do, um, and and don't be afraid of not using the tide of iron. It's, it's, it is the Tide of Iron one, isn't it? The, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I didn't use it. Yeah, um, 
because it could be a trap, but it, but it offers mm. you versatility if you want to take it. So come up with a game plan and use it. I like them. I was very tempted to do them myself. Um, there was a, a point where I was considering doing them before I decided to do my Tempestus. Um, they they have a lot of options in there, and like I say, like although some people won't run them with corruptions. You can definitely double down on the on the corruption side of things and get some oh, benefits yeah. from their rules that way. So, depending on how you want to build them, there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, nicely, Joe, check out the battle report, and you'll see them in action. Um, and also, you'll get to see Johnny's beautiful paint job. Do you want to spend a, a, just a minute or two just talking about how you how you went about painting yours? Yeah, um, man, it's a. Uh... It's a relatively quick job that actually looks quite quite nice once it's done. Um, using a range of um, kind of like sea greens to build up in layers from like dark to bright, like just to get the like those nice little bright spots that you see on the armor, um, and leaving it just kind of go dark towards the trim. Um, I imagine Alex is probably bringing a maybe an image up on on screen or something like that as I I'm going through this. Anyway. can do. Yeah, uh, Vallejo metal colors on the trim. Um, I, I like, so my big thing, I think we went through this a little bit in the, um, or uh, quite a bit in the uh, starting your hobby uh, pod that we did. Um, my big thing with a lot of my paint jobs is to do like a primary, secondary and tertiary color for a lot of my schemes. So in this one, I made it like the sea green, the very dark sea green as uh, my primary color. White was my secondary in a lot of like, the panels. Um, and then red was my tertiary, so like the eyes glowed red, the plasma glowed uh, red for, for the most part, and the uh, missile launchers had red tips, right? Um, and those colours together, like, I was kind of just slapping them on on a test model, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is <laughs> this is the mix I want to see. Um, and yeah, and I went for, because uh, it, it became quite dark, like a lot of the uh, the provided artwork is a quite, it shows quite a dark Legio. Um so I went for a snow base, which is why I'm building one of the reasons why I'm building a snowboard. Um, and it really kind of amps the contrast between the, the bright base and then like a very, very dark mottled uh, Titan on top. Yeah. yeah. And um, you got yourself some um, Legio Tritonus um, transfers from the guys at, uh, I say the guys, the guy at Scumbag <laughs> Customs. Hell yeah. Yeah. Way before even. Um, yeah, even we we kind of you know introduced him to the the channel and to the group of people. I I I saw him uh, commenting on I think it was an unrelated game as well. And I was like, oh yeah, can you do this? And he oh, they arrived so quick from Hong Kong, um, Tokyo, I think it's Tokyo, oh, um, Japan. I don't know if it's Tokyo specifically, but he's yeah, he's based in Japan. Um, oh, insane! Really, really good quality. Um, and yeah, they uh, they they suit the the you know the legio quite nicely i think he certainly benefited from a bit more business since joining our discord because <laughs> our, yeah. our guys are relentless saying do you have or can you make me decals for this legio and that legio <laughs> so like we we have a channel um the scumbag customs channel upon our um discord and um all of the designs which i've noticed i've pinned um so you can have a look through all of the pinned messages and see um all of the different types of, mm. of transfers that he does for AT, but he does loads. Um, he's got, he, he generally specializes in the ones which don't have transfers already. So if you have like Audax 
um, and you want some transfers for Audax, he does some Audax transfers. Um, Tritonis, um, my Lani Ascara ones were from him. Um, I just had him make up some House Divine ones for my knights. Um, yeah, he's got uh, he's got a ton. Um, if you're looking at a lesser known Legio, um, which isn't supported by GW for um, transfers, then Scumbag Customs is your man uh, for those. And they really pop on your model as well, don't they? they really, like you say, mm. that bright red really lifts the kind of overall colour. Really, really good quality. Uh, really, really kind of like, you know, they feel like just using normal, you know, normal games at mm. once. Um, yeah. yeah. You just got to... I was going to say, you just got to remember that because they're printed on a solid sheet, you do have to cut quite close to the actual decal. Um, Mm. Unlike GW ones where they are kind of, the decal is the shape of the transfer. It's just a solid sheet. So if you are printing a circle, for instance, if you can cut as closely as you can around the circle and, and, and cut it as close to the image, you'll get a much better finish. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that caught me off off guard the first time mm-hmm. i started sticking them down i just cut out a square and i was like oh crap there's a there's a square sheet of clear stuff and then the red circle in the middle um yeah no but if you do want uh you know our rundown of our the way we paint stuff just drop us a message on discord or ask it in one of the channel uh chats i think there was a plan at you know at some point in the past for us to do individual hobby master classes um and uh corruption one that's been floating around for quite a while but um just with we just want to get bat reps and podcasts out at the moment with the limited yeah. time we have so uh in in the meantime before we ever get around to doing those just drop us a message on on discord join the join should, the channel uh, and, should make um, yourself a video of how how you paint them get them up alongside my tritonus uh painting guide yeah. not tritonus my tempestus no, I was about to say, it's like, you've really got one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, maybe in the new year. Maybe in the new year. See if we've got any hair left after uh, uh, Beachhead. We'll wait until after the tournament. Mm. Mm. Okay. Um, Any final thoughts? Um, The embargo on giving Alex shit hasn't lifted. So if you do want to send him (laughs) uh, abuse... Uh, again, you can find them on Discord. Thanks. Um, you're, you're welcome, mate. Yeah, I, I know you're really worried about that, so I just wanted to reaffirm to the community right, yeah, that no, it I, is okay to bully you. Yeah, uh, I was still. I was really worried uh, that people weren't giving me enough shit. So. Yeah. I, I, I was equally concerned that people would, you know, would see it as a poor representation of Volpa, so it's cool <laughs> that the community decided the uh, the correct person to be mean to. I, I'm, I'm the, the obvious target, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, moving swiftly <laughs> on. So there you go, guys. I hope you've enjoyed listening to us tonight. Um, really interesting, Legio Tritonis. Lots of scope, uh, beautiful colour scheme. Um, fairly underrepresented in the community not as much as some Um, but if you're looking for something a little bit different uh, or maybe you actually want to try out a proper black shield and play them as a proper black shield then they are your boys Um, but as always thank you very much for tuning in Um, please do remember to give us a like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube if you're not and you're you're listening to us or watching us um, on a podcast uh, platform please you know please leave us a review or leave us a five star um five star what do they call them ranking rating 
rating. Uh, yeah, that'll yeah. do. Um, click the five star button. Yeah, click the five star <laughs> button. Leave us a review. All of it helps. Um, and like I say, like um, even if you don't watch us on YouTube, please consider just subscribing to the channel. Help us reach that thousand target goal. It'd be awesome if we could do that by the end of the year and start next year really, really strong. Um, so hopefully we'll see you all soon. We probably won't be recording another one of these before the new year and before Christmas. Um, I forgot, actually, I planned on joining this um, with my Santa hat on, but I totally forgot. Oh. I know, I know, but... We've got them in the bat wrap. We've got some Santa hats in the bat wrap. So. For like two minutes until we got fed up with them and <laughs> yeah. them off. The irony, uh, the irony there as well was like we recorded the yeah. bat rep like um, in the middle of November. So mm. it was, um, yeah, wearing Santa's hats in November. Um, yeah, um, we were prepared and we were hoping that the timing would work out well. Um, so, yeah. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, it's a big thank you from me, and uh, I, I, I guess it's a thank you. I was, uh, you know, I was going to leave that open for you, and it's a thank you from me as well. But I didn't want it to be a huge amount of silence uh, as I well, did uh, something new and then handed over this... to you. Okay, yeah. Uh, cheers, guys. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until next time, please do um, keep an eye out. Um, we'll get some more content to you as soon as we can, and uh, yeah. Always remember to go big, go loud, and go maximal.